Good morning. Romans chapter 1 this morning. We're in a new book as we continue on in our study of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see today that Paul is telling the Christians at Rome that the Holy Spirit will help us to see the Son of God in a fuller way. He will help us to see our suffering differently and our serving differently. But I want to begin in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, leading up to verse 4, where again Paul is going to tell us about the helping of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is called our advocate. Another word would be our helper. What is Paul telling us that the Holy Spirit is helping us to do? From Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel. He promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was a descendant of David with reference to the flesh, who was appointed the Son of God in power according to the Holy Spirit by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul wants to talk to the Romans about the gospel. The message of God that literally has turned the world and will turn the world upside down. It was a message that totally turned and transformed the Apostle Paul in his life and sent him on a whole different direction. And Paul says this gospel, this message is all centered in a person, a person concerning Jesus. And he says this Jesus was 100% human. He was a descendant of David according to the flesh, but he was also 100% and has always been 100% God. And Paul is saying that it is through the presence and power and ministry and helping of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit really marks out for us who Jesus is so that we can see Him in a clear way, so that we can see Him in all of His fullness. It's not that Paul is declaring here that, the, that Jesus became the Son of God in power when He rose from the dead. He's always been the Son of God in power. What he is telling us is that it is that historical fact of His resurrection that the Holy Spirit used in history to say, See, I told you so. He is who he claimed to be. He is human, but he is also very much divine. He is the eternal Son of God in power. And the Holy Spirit is the one who, through the resurrection, really, in a sense, again, is shining a spotlight on Jesus. It's exactly what Jesus said to his followers. He said, that, that the Holy Spirit will come and will glorify me, will, uh, will allow me to be seen for who I really am. And that's exactly what Paul's saying to the Roman Christians. Christians who are living in Rome, the, not only the capital, if you will, of, of the you know, Roman Empire at that time, but really the capital of the world because the Roman Empire ruled the world at that time. And Paul is saying that right there, even in the heart of the Roman Empire, 
through the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus Christ can be seen for who He really is. And you as followers of Jesus Christ will first of all see His great power. His inherent, almighty, miraculous power. And the reason why the Holy Spirit points to us that power is to remind us that it is through that power that you and I can live every day. That we can live in the power that Jesus Christ has through the presence of the Holy Spirit that He has placed within us. Maybe some of us today need to be reminded of that and we need to see Jesus And see that He is the Son of God in power and that He shares that power with us. Maybe we're here today and we feel lacking in power, lacking in strength. Wondering where our power and strength is going to come from to go through the rest of today and this week and this month. And He is shining the spotlight, the Holy Spirit on Jesus and saying, He's the Son of God in power. He is the Almighty God He has miraculous power. He still can do miracles. He still has that supernatural power. Always has, always will. And wants to share it with you and I who are in Him. He also says that the Holy Spirit not only helps us to see the Son of God in a fuller way as far as His power goes... But notice he also goes on to say that as he rose from the dead, let's remember he is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's our master. He's the one to whom we belong. And as our Lord, he should then be the one that ultimately defines our life and decides things for us. If you and I are not allowing Jesus to be the lead of our life, then we truly have not seen Him fully. Because Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit will enable a follower of Jesus Christ to see Jesus in such fullness that not only will we then tap into His power and live in that power and know the power that is available to us every day because He wants to share that power with us, but that He also wants and desires to be our Lord, our leader, our shepherd. In fact, we talked about him being our shepherd on Wednesday night. The Lord, our shepherd, our loving shepherd, who wants to protect and provide in all of this for us. And that's part of his lordship. And it's the Holy Spirit that, again, makes Jesus so clear to us of who he really is and represents him so accurately that we would get to a point where it's like, well, sure, I want him to lead. Because first of all, I know He's the Son of God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows what's going to happen before it ever happens. Therefore, I can trust His leadership. I know that He's going to prepare me for the things that He knows are coming. I know all of that because I see Him so clearly through His Holy Spirit who is living within me. And therefore, I'm willing to turn my life over to Him and let Him lead as my Lord. See, that's what the Holy Spirit, that's, that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit helps us to do. When we as Christians struggle to turn over control of our life or leadership of our life to Jesus as our Lord, as our shepherd, it's only because we really haven't seen Him yet 
in all of His fullness, in all of His glory, in all that He really is. Because if we did, we would have no hesitation to trust Him to place our lives and our future and everything about our lives into His hands because we can see how capable He is. You see. And so that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Paul said he wants to come in and not only show us that he is human, the one who is able to empathize and sympathize with us and understand the weaknesses of of a human body and its frailty and and its fragileness and its finiteness, but, but he also is the divine Son of God in power, Jesus Christ our Lord. And therefore, we have that perfect complement of the one who, again, can empathize and sympathize and understand what it's like to be human, but also be the Son of God, who, as one who can empathize and sympathize and have compassion on us, he can do something about it at all times because of his deity, because of his standing in the universe. Then, look at chapter 5. The Holy Spirit not only helps us to see the Son of God in a fuller way, but the Holy Spirit will also enable us as followers of Jesus Christ to see suffering differently. Because let's face it, when suffering or trial or tribulation even comes into the life of a believer... If we are not under the control of the Holy Spirit, if we are not allowing the presence and and ministry of the Holy Spirit to, to really be in charge of our life, that when those things come into our life, we can tend to get disillusioned, discouraged, disappointed, all of those things. And so notice what Paul says to the Romans In chapter 5. And again, this would be very relevant to the Roman Christians because they were going to be, and were already, many of them, under severe persecution of the Roman Empire because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying to them, let the Holy Spirit take over your perspective and your mindset and your outlook on the suffering that God is allowing you to go through in your life. So Paul says this, therefore... Since we have been declared righteous by faith, Romans 5, 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings. Paul's going to tell us how can we do that. Well, short answer, only through the Holy Spirit. Even as followers of Jesus Christ, we will never find any joy, if you will, in suffering if we're not under the control of the Holy Spirit. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint. And in the Greek language, it means Ever. Hope never disappoints, means never leaves us disappointed. Because, why? 
the love of God, the greatest love of all, has been poured out, literally lavishly poured out to the point of overflowing in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Oh, there's so much there. Let me just hit a few things. First of all, he says, we've, through the Holy Spirit, got to have this perspective, and it can only come through the Holy Spirit when suffering comes into our life or someone else's life. And that is whatever comes into our life. Whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever amount of suffering comes into our life, we have got to come to a mature viewpoint that that has first passed through the hands of God to get to us. In other words, we've got to come to grips with the fact that God allowed it. And again, if you and I are not under the control of the Holy Spirit and something touches our life or someone else's life, we can go sideways real quick by thinking, God, why did you allow this? You're God. You could have stopped it. You could have prevented it. You could have caused it not to happen. Why do you allow this, God? And Paul says, it's under the control of the Holy Spirit when we learn that God will allow it only if He knows it will produce some kind of positive effect upon us or someone else, ultimately then for His glory. That if God knows that in no way is this going to end up positive, then He will prevent it and shut it down. And the only way that you and I can have that kind of, again, sort of perspective is only when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us. Because it's the Holy Spirit who will keep reminding us, your God loves you. And the only reason He's allowing that in your life or someone else's life is ultimately because of what it's going to produce. It's actually going to be beneficial or profitable. And in this season, when you or someone else is suffering so, you cannot see it, but that's why I've given the Holy Spirit to you because He's going to get you to see the fact that at some point down the road, this is going to produce something good. Or as Paul later on says in Romans 8, He's going to work something good out of this very bad situation. He's going to, as God, be able to bring something good out of it because we know that all things can work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And the other thing that Paul's saying here is not just the the fact of suffering in someone's life can cause disappointment or disillusionment or discouragement if we're not under the control of the Holy Spirit. But also, immediately, Paul goes to the fact that one of the things that will happen in our lives if we're not under the control of the Holy Spirit when suffering comes is we immediately default to, God, what have I done? Are you punishing me in some way? God, by allowing this, you must not love me. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. 
you realize that God has lavishly poured out his love for you and that that love is communicated to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit and that the presence of the Holy Spirit is always that inner assurance that we have that we are objects of God's love, always have been, always will be, and that the presence of this suffering Whatever it is, is not a sign that God doesn't love me. In fact, it's through the Holy Spirit that I actually understand that God allowed this because He loves me. The Spirit of God. Look at it in chapter 5. Verse 5. The Spirit of God illuminates us to the love of God. The love of God. How can I have hope? How can I look ahead with confidence? How can I have this joyful expectation, if you will, of what is sure and certain that is coming? It is only because the Holy Spirit is telling us over and over again and reminding us, God loves you. And instead of looking at what has come into your life as God doesn't love me or he's punishing me for something, it's actually a sign that he loves and he never will stop loving us. That's where we go. And we go there in our minds and we go there in our hearts and we go there in our intellect and in our emotions because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to help us see suffering from a different perspective. To see suffering differently. We always go, when the Holy Spirit is not in control, to, God, what have I done? Why are you doing this to me? You must hate me. And the Holy Spirit is the only presence and power in our life that can help us to see suffering from a different perspective. And the Holy Spirit, in fact, Paul says, look at it in in chapter 5, verse 5. This is amazing. Is the one that really, again, illuminates how much God loves us. So if, if you and I, as a follower of Jesus Christ who has the Holy Spirit living in us, if at any point we feel or think we are unloved by God, then that is an automatic sign that we are not in connection with the Holy Spirit. That somehow the Holy Spirit and us are disconnected. Because, Paul said, when you and I get connected to the Holy Spirit, we will always have a sense and be illuminated to not just God loves me. But Paul said, how much God so loves me that he has lavished his love, poured it out to overflowing in us through his Holy Spirit. I mean, how do you think it grieves the heart of God who loves us so much 
and has actually placed himself as God, the Holy Spirit within us to communicate that love to us every day, every second of the day. How much does it grieve the heart of God when we can go hours, days, weeks, months, somehow considering and thinking we're unloved? That God doesn't love me. And that we really don't understand how much we are loved by God. Some of you maybe even have come here today and part of your struggle is you feel unloved by God and yet you possess His Holy Spirit. Then that just tells me that's another reason why this series is so important. Because too many Christians who possess the Holy Spirit, who is really the key to understanding how much God loves you, of how important it is that we learn then to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit and stay connected to the Spirit. Because so many Christians today are walking through life sensing that they're not loved by God. Especially when something bad comes into their life. When something negative. Because you and I, even as Christians, according to the Word of God, will be incapable of seeing suffering from the right perspective unless we are under the control of the Holy Spirit. If we are not under the control of the Holy Spirit, then when something comes into our life in any way negative, we will start to become disappointed, discouraged, disillusioned with God. And so Paul says that's why this is so huge. Because some of you brothers and sisters in Rome, you're going to be fed to the lions. Literally. You're going to be in that Colosseum and you're going to be martyred for your faith in Jesus Christ. And unless you can stand before those lions, knowing that God hasn't led you to this point because He doesn't love you, but because He does love you, He always has and He always will, then there's going to be a lot of disconnect between human beings who know God and human beings who understand God in His way. So the Holy Spirit helps us to see Jesus, the Son of God, in a fuller, clear way. And how important that is, that we see Jesus. Because we lose sight of Jesus a lot. We, we lose our focus on Jesus and who He really is and what Jesus can do and wants to do for us as the Son of God empower our Lord Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit also helps us to see our suffering differently. To where we will never lose hope. Being able to look ahead in our life with confidence. With joyful expectation of what is sure and certain to come. Because it's based on not only the promises of God, but it's also connected to the love of God. God will never allow or bring anything into our life that somehow contradicts His love for us. That will always be a motivation for everything that God allows in to us to touch us that actually has to first pass through His hands. 
And then, look with me over in chapter 7. Not only will the Holy Spirit help us to see the Son of God in a fuller way and our suffering differently, but our service differently. I'm not going to take the time, but in chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, Paul starts talking about the law and how the law no longer has or should have an, an influence on us. Not that we become lawless. In fact, this is very interesting. A lot of Christians don't even know this, but the New Testament is one-fourth the size of the Old Testament. I mean, even in your Bibles, you, if, you, if you parcel out like where the New Testament is and you take all the books and you take the New Testament, the New Testament is one-fourth the physical size of the Old Testament. And yet, and yet, there are twice as many commands in the New Testament as there are in the Old Testament. Twice as many. Because God doesn't want us to live lawlessly. So many New Testament Christians say, well, I'm in the age of grace. Yeah. That doesn't mean God doesn't have principles to live by. Doesn't say, this is how you should live. No. But the difference is, and Paul points this out, is until the Holy Spirit came into my life, many human beings were trying to use the law to commend themselves to God. Using the law in the wrong way than God intended. Yes, God gave us the law. But we do not even use the laws of God to try to make ourselves good enough to merit somehow a relationship with God. That's all wrong. As I've told you before, think of the law as an x-ray. The, the law is God's standard and tells us what's wrong or even what's working right. But it has no power within itself to help us to live up to those standards. That's where grace comes in. See, living under grace doesn't mean we as Christians don't have laws or commands of God to live by. We do. As again, twice as many commands in the New Testament as the Old Testament. But God says, but you're not trying to live by that way to somehow make yourself good enough to enter into heaven. In fact, Gandhi even said, after he read... The Sermon on the Mount, Gandhi said, if I were a Christian, I would be depressed every day. Because from Gandhi's legalistic law mind, all he looks at is when he sees these standards of God, he, in his flesh, obviously goes, I could never live up to that. Thinking that I've got to live up to that to have a relationship with God. And God says, no. You're totally looking at it wrong. The reason I give you the law and my standard is to show you as a human being, there's no way you ever could live up to that. That's why we've got to cry out for the mercy of God that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not based on our works and what we can do to make ourselves somehow acceptable to God through law it comes through the unmerited favor of God in the gift of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. So that's where Paul's coming from when he talks about the law here. Which is why, notice then in verse 6, Paul says, But now, 
We've been released from the law. Again, not to be lawless people or people that don't live by a certain standard. He's simply saying, but we've been released from the law as far as trying to be good enough uh, to live the law to somehow merit God's approval. Because we have died to what controlled us so that we may serve in the new, new life. Of the spirit and not under the old written code. I want to direct your attention especially to this morning's message. To that phrase. So that we may serve in the new life of the spirit. Seeing serving differently. That's what the Holy Spirit was given to us to do. Not only to see Jesus fully, but to see, and to see suffering differently, but to see serving differently. How? What's it mean to, so we may serve in the new life of the Spirit? It means that the Holy Spirit enables us and helps us to see that all of our life is to be service. Christians today, many in the church, reduce serving to acts of service. They'll say, well, I'm serving now because I'm doing this or I'm doing that act of service. And they equate serving God with compartmentalizing out their life saying, well, I'm serving God by doing this, by doing that. And and Paul is saying, no, 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 we're missing something here. That that it's through the Holy Spirit that we will see that we adopt serving as a lifestyle that we never take off or put on. That in a sense, once we understand the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do in our life, it's like we put on the service outfit and we keep it on 24-7, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. We don't reduce service as a Christian to, I'm serving the Lord because I did that activity. Or I did, I, I went to, to that thing and I served the Lord for those couple of hours. No, Paul says, when you and I are under the control of the Holy Spirit, we literally have the eyes and ears and hands and feet and mind and heart of a servant all the time. So that as a servant who's under the control of the Holy Spirit, whether something is my responsibility or not, if I see something that can be done or needs to be done and I'm there and I have the strength to do it, then I do it. Regardless of whether it was something that I was told to do, asked to do, assigned to do, because as one who's under the control of the Holy Spirit, I'm always in the mindset of I'm just here to serve. Is there something I could do? Oh, good. I'm going to do it. You see, the Holy Spirit, Paul is saying, literally will shape our heart to be a servant at all times. And that we will get out of this philosophy that as a Christian, I, I compartmentalize my serving of God. I'm serving Him here. I'm ser- No, no, no. The Holy Spirit says, you are to be a servant all the time. Because guess what? Jesus was a servant all the time. 
In fact, keep your finger there in Romans. We'll, we'll come back there in just a moment. And go back to the Gospel of Mark chapter 10 to where Jesus really addresses this with his disciples. Mark chapter 10. I'm just going to read a couple verses because time is getting away from me as it always does. You all are so good to preach to, though. I'm going to just begin then in verse 43 of chapter 10 of Mark's gospel. Jesus says, but it is not this way among you, the way those who don't know God look at life and service. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your, what? Servant. See, greatness from God's perspective is serving, not being served. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of all. By the way, two different Greek words there. Give you an assignment. Look up those two Greek words and see what the difference is between the Greek word for servant at the end of verse 43 and the Greek word for slave in verse 44. Because Jesus says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, we were not set free to live for self, but to selflessly serve. And Jesus is saying, the greatest ones in my kingdom are the ones who are serving and have the mindset and the lifestyle of a servant at all times. In fact, that's why Jesus said that in my kingdom, many who are first here on earth will be last in my kingdom. And many who are last here will be first in my kingdom. Because let's face it, Jesus is saying, there are many who live their life behind the scenes as servants, doing things that no one ever asked them to do. Doing things that they were never assigned to do. But saying things that just needed to be done and they did it. And Jesus is going to say, most people won't even recognize what you're doing. They will never acknowledge you. They will never appreciate all the service that you're doing. But one day when you get to glory and you get to my kingdom and you stand before me, that if you were last on earth and you felt like you were trampled on and you were disrespected and you were not, you know, acknowledged like you should be, guess what? You're coming to the front of the line here. And many who are on earth, who live to be first, who live for self, who live to look for who's serving me and who's doing for me, rather than the mindset of the servant produced and shaped by the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, you're going to be last. Because you lived your life for you, not for others. And the only way that you and I will wake up every day with the mindset and outlook and even the towel of Jesus wrapped around us like he did when he washed his disciples' feet, the only way you and I wake up every day saying, God, who can I serve today? Who can I help today? Who can I encourage today? It's only when we're under the control of the Holy Spirit. Because if we're not under the control of the Holy Spirit, instead of it being looking out for others, it will be looking out for me. And that's what it means in Romans 7, 6, 
when Paul says, so that you may serve in the new life of the Spirit. You and I will see service in a whole different life. Instead of looking at it as a demeaning thing, we will actually see it's a glorious thing. It's actually a great thing because Jesus Himself, the Son of God, lived to serve and made His mark on this earth Not by being served, but by serving and giving his life a ransom for many. One other thing, and then I'll wrap it up. This concept of serving in the new life of the Spirit means Paul is saying to Christians, when you and I allow the Spirit of God to take over our lives and control us, it puts us in a whole different environment and atmosphere that we can exist in that we never could before. Think of the Spirit as scuba. Only instead of a self-contained underwater breathing apparatus that allows us as men and women to be able to explore depths that we never could if we didn't have that apparatus on, Paul is saying, you realize that's what the Holy Spirit allows us to do as Christians. That in a sense, he's our spiritual self-contained breathing apparatus that allows us to live at heights or depths that we could never without him. Because he takes us to a whole different environment and atmosphere that we can live at, that we could never live there and be there at all times apart from his enablement. We just couldn't exist. Because we would be under the control of the old nature and the flesh, and the flesh doesn't want to serve, and the flesh doesn't want to suffer. The flesh will do everything it can to avoid those things. And yet many times that's what the Holy Spirit is actually leading us to. I want you to go through this time of suffering at the hands of your loving Heavenly Father because it's going to be good for you or good for somebody else and it's going to glorify me. Oh Lord, if that's the case and I know that you love me, I'll do it. I mean, think about the example of Jesus, the Son of God here. I mean, it's not like he wanted to go to the cross and go through all that suffering. But at the end of the day, he said, My Father, not my will, but yours be done. And I know that even though I'm going to the cross, it's not because you don't love me. And we've got to adopt that same kind of mindset. I love what Paul said in Romans 5 5. Hope never disappoints. When God builds and brings his hope into our life through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we will never be disappointed or disillusioned or discouraged about the things that come into our life. And here's why. Because we have the Holy Spirit who is continually wanting to give us hope and illuminate us to the love of God and and to to the fact that if God does allow something into my life, it's only because He loves me and has His best interest for me. I simply need to see the Son of God more fully. I need to see suffering from a different perspective and I need to see serving from a different perspective. Let's stand and close in prayer. God, I pray today for each and every person here today, individually, who are going through different things in their life right now. And God, you have specifically called us to this place today to build into your people a hope, a hope 
A hope that does not change with circumstances or situations. A hope that can look forward with confidence always. Because we're allowing your Holy Spirit to be in control on the inside of us. And we are seeing through his ministry, Jesus so full and so clear. And we are seeing the suffering that we are going through or others are going through from a whole different perspective and in a whole different light. And we are seeing this whole concept of being a servant of yours in a whole different way. Thank you, God, for giving us your Holy Spirit so that we can exist in an atmosphere and an environment we never could before. We would be totally incapable as human beings on our own to live at that level. We could never reach the heights that you call us to. Never go down to the depths that you call us to, God, unless we are in control by your Holy Spirit. So God, may we today open ourselves up to the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Allow that love that you have lavishly poured out into our lives, overflowing, just come through. And may, Lord, we just be filled with hope here today. Because the hope that comes from you, your word says, will never be disappointed. We will never regret for one second of putting our trust and faith in you, God. Because we know that your love is always there. Always. When things are good and when things aren't so good, your love is constant, God. So God, fill your people today with your hope as we sing and declare, proclaim that hope that we live in today. These things we pray in Jesus' name.